The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Here are your hosts, Abby Wiggum and Trish Spate. Hi, welcome to another episode of Tall City Elections. I'm Abby, and with me today we have Trish Spate. Hi. And Jerry Morales. Hello. This program is dedicated to providing information about the upcoming local elections as we make it accessible to our listeners who are visually impaired. Tall City Elections 2019 podcast is a collaboration between the Recording Library of West Texas and the League of Women Voters. We want to thank all of our supporters for helping us make this possible. So as I've already mentioned today, we have Jerry Morales joining us in the studio. Jerry, we're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad. Thank you for the invitation. So this is not your first go around, is it? It is not. I have actually been a city council member since 2008. So 2008. Mm-hmm. Well, how has this campaign been so far? Yeah, this one has definitely been very interesting. As you remember, 2014 is when I was elected as mayor and then uh, served three years and then ran again and uh, went unopposed. So that was kind of nice not have to campaign. And then getting to your question on this one, two great mayoral candidates. It's been very competitive. This cycle, this community has been very engaged, very involved in who's going to be the next leader and wanting to know a lot of questions. And I think a lot of it's just because this economy is so strong and what has happened with our oil and gas community. And then, of course, the school bond, which is on the side, but it kind of uh, has brought a lot of attention to the whole overall campaign. So just been a very interesting cycle. A lot of great questions, concerns, mm-hmm. uh, issues. And then technology has been fun. To, uh, we've had a probably a, easily a dozen debates, forums which is almost triple of what we normally see. And then I don't know how many articles I've written, responses to the Midland Reporter Telegram and other organizations. So just a lot of messaging going out. So we're going to back up a little bit because we do like, obviously, I'm a longtime Midlander. Abby's a longtime Midlander. But we know there's a lot of new people in town. And so do you think some of that energy is because of them? And then also... They know you as the mayor, mm-hmm. but they probably don't know anything else about you. So uh, do you want to tell them a little bit about you? Yes, definitely. And you're exactly right. I've had to make sure to get back out there and just kind of get that same old uh, good campaign comments to let them know who you are. So real quickly, Jerry Morales, I have I was born and raised here in Midland. And so I always like to say that what an honor it's been to be the mayor of the city that I was born and raised in, to be able to give back in that way. So my professional career is I own restaurants. And back in 1977, my mom and dad started Casita Gerardo. Today it's called Gerardo's Casita because it's named after me. And I just threw my name out there a little harder. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Jerry's Little House. And we serve Tex-Mex food. So it's been in our family for 42 years. Uh, My son now, my oldest son, is my partner and his wife, Ashley. So with that, we own two other restaurants called Mulberry Cafe and Mulberry Downtown. And then we have a small catering company. So we stay very busy. When you have the lowest unemployment in the nation, you're the busboy every day. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm not campaigning or being the mayor, I'm, I'm busting tables. That's for sure. So and then after the restaurants, of course, I have my uh, oldest son, my daughter-in-law, three grandchildren, beautiful grandchildren. And they're a lot of fun to be with. And they're at the restaurant running around all the time. So that's nice. My middle son is Chase. He's also a uh, culinary student who... Um, Got his degree from uh, Austin. And then my uh, youngest daughter is 18 and just graduated from Lee High School. So blessed with three beautiful children. 
And then my family, we've been here forever. And so we're just, uh, we're in the insurance. We have a law business. We have had a record shop, barbershop, beauty shop. And so we're just a family of entrepreneurs. And, uh, and we kind of know Midland from that business background. You know, as I got older, after I went to tech, I worked in the corporate restaurant world, came back home, bought the restaurant. Then I got engaged right away with just nonprofits and served in almost every nonprofit that's out there. Just could not say no. And just believer of giving back. And then uh, my friend, Jose Cuevas, who owns Jumburrito Restaurant, one day called me and said, you're going to run for mayor. I mean, for city council. And I said, who is this? You know, you're crazy. You ate too many burritos <laughs> was that, today. Was he on the city council then? He was. He had been on the city council. He had council. been on. Okay. And he just says, you know, I've been watching and basically, and I was very active in my restaurant industry. I, I uh, served on the state board in the local chapter. And he just said, we need a small business voice and I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to show you how to run for city council. And so we did. We actually lost that election, went back to the ranks and served in the volunteer ro- role. And uh, the Millen Development Corporation, where there's been discussion about that 4A sales tax. Mm-hmm. Well, I took the lead on that and was able to get the signatures to put it back on the ballot. And that's how it got passed. Uh, so I, I like to say that I'm a, one of the founders of the MDC. I'm also one of the founders of the Millen Community Development Corporation 19 years ago, which is a affordable housing nonprofit and uh, just numerous other nonprofits. Ran for city council again. We won at large seat. And that's where that serving back to the community started. Sure. So you're, this is super interesting, this election cycle. And so you are the only incumbent we have interviewed, (laughs) which is a little odd since there are seats up. Um, And so what we've noticed is in your time at city council, Mm -hmm. Midland's changed a lot with all the newer people and the average age being of Midland being so much younger. I think one candidate told us 31. Mm-hmm. Is the average age. So no matter what happens, the face of city council is going to get a little bit younger with this election. Okay. So do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. So let me kind of tell you a little. The first six years on city council, as you kind of mentioned, in 2008 to, uh, you know, 13, it was very quiet. You know, the city was just <laughs> maybe growing at one and a half percent. Let me, And then the city, when it really was aggressive, three and a half percent, some even said four percent. So that's very aggressive growth. So, you know, we were just getting through some of the normal challenges. One of the issues I dealt with that first six years was the uh, Millen Christian rebuild of the high school. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that, but it was very political and kind of controversial because we we're going into the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, there was houses that were going to get torn yeah. down. So that was really, that. you know, kind of a, to give you an example, that was kind of the highlight of the council career <laughs> back then. Then uh, when we ran for mayor in 2013 and one in 2014, the oil hits $100 barrel oil. Mm-hmm. So right away, I'm the king of, of Midland because everybody says I made it $100 barrel oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, you <laughs> take credit for that. We'll a take bit. a look. So really, the, no, the message was, was that, look, I know you have a new mayor, and but I've been on council, so I have experience. And we're going to get out here. We're going to show you that the city council has their arm around this big economic bear that I really believe is coming down the pipeline. Well, sure enough, in the next six years, we have been rated one of the fastest growing cities in the nation. Inflation's up, lowest unemployment, 33,000 cars added to our roadway yeah. in those years. Yeah. And it just goes on and on. So one thing that we identified in the road bond several years ago was that the average voting age was a 32-year-old white female. Hmm. And we thought, uh, we already knew that the demographics was changing, but that solidified it. But I will tell you, starting in 2012, 2013, 2014, not only city council, but the business leaders, the chamber of commerce, 
we were actively trying to recruit young professionals. We were trying to get young professionals to move back Mm -hmm. by the basin, Millen's home. Hey, parents, grandparents, tell your children, grandchildren to move back to Millen, make Millen home because we were becoming a very retirement community. Oh, yeah. Let's, I'm, we're of a generation. Yeah. We're Xers. And I did, when we moved back here in the late 90s, there was no one here that That's was right. our age. Nope. Yeah. It was, it a was whole, totally different. Yeah. Very. So, and it worked. The next thing I know, the Young Professionals Association went from 200 to 2,000. <laughs> and, wow. you know, the young professional engineers went from, 200 to 500 to 700 and, and the young geologicals. And so it just went on. It was everything was young. And so the millennial uh, recruitment worked in addition to, I will say, the 20 major old companies jobs. bringing yeah. jobs. And yeah. they came here. Now, a lot of them were commuting and going back and forth between Dallas, Austin and Houston. The money was here. The benefits were here. But they wanted the metro scene that mm-hmm. those, they wanted those amenities. And you can't blame them. So. Uh, the city council knew that we had to go to work and start rebuilding. Well, one of my visions was to always bring our downtown back. And I was able to get the support of the city council to um, begin that revitalization process. And we did that by beginning to demolish the old dilapidated buildings that sat there for 30 years, just uh, doing yeah, the eyesores, empty. Yeah. Yeah, paying taxes. And once we begin to remove buildings and clean up some of the the, the mess that had been there for a while, then you started seeing private property owners, stakeholders reinvesting in their buildings. Mayor West Perry, Randy Prue, Gary Glasscock, Tim Leach with Concho. I mean, they, they, everybody just started improving these buildings. New restaurants were coming, retail. Mm-hmm. And when Councilman John James was on the council, he was able to bring in the loss. Mm-hmm. And what a, I mean, that was a home run because we said, this is one way that we can revitalize downtown is by having heads and beds. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a big effort. So, you know, it's just it's just been fun to watch the demographics. The other part, part of that is with those 20 major oil companies is the nationalities. So bringing in people from all over the world. We saw our MISD. I think the language the last time I heard was like 30 different languages. So yeah. you, we knew that we kind of had to start adju- adjusting our community a little bit. Cool. So it's definitely a younger city. It's definitely a different city than I moved back to you. And, but you've been the mayor for a long time that I, since I've, well, since when? Let's see. Uh, 2014. But you were on city council before that. That's right. So in that whole time, what, this is an incumbent question, mm-hmm. warning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you consider like something that the council has done that you're most proud of? Yeah, I would say that we're most proud of is and and it's hard because you're the incumbent because we've done. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a long it list. It is. There's a long things. list. I, I'm just going to have to name it. So <clears throat> sure. one was the Clearwater Ranch. Mm-hmm. So Scott Duffer, Councilman Duffer and myself worked with Mayor West Perry to bring T-Bar Ranch in. Mm-hmm. And that was the one from Winkler. That gave us the first solid 50 years of water. Then under my leadership, we bought the Clearwater Ranch, which is 15 miles south of Winkler. And... That allowed us to get in 65-year worth of water Mm -hmm. and use the infrastructure so that we just know that we're in the desert and we cannot succeed without water. And that was one big one. Mm -hmm. It also kind of allowed builders and those who are looking at Midland, because I like to tell this story. I'll never forget. I got a call one time from we were trying to recruit the big hotel uh, Omni. Mm-hmm. And we had a, the the owner Omni call me. He goes, I just walked out of the Federal Reserve meeting in New York City, and Millen was our hot topic. Oh wow! This was 2014. I said, Wow! And he goes, I mean, I was like, Really? I go, What happened? He goes, 
Well, because, of course, the oil and they said if you want to invest your money, invest in the Permian Basin, Midland, Odessa, Midland. And he goes, so I'm calling you because I need to get my hotel there. So I knew wow. right then and there, there this was going to get exciting. But um, I will say that then the $100 million road bond that passed was another huge accomplishment where city council under the leadership of J. Ross Lacey, we got the citizens to believe in that and got that passed. We found out that 30% of our roads were unrepairable through a road survey. So we needed that money to fix some major roads plus the infrastructure. And so today we're going into year three. We're on time and under budget. And what we're saying now is that as soon as we get into year four, we got to start talking about the next five-year plan because 30% of our other roads are unrepairable. Mm-hmm. I think the other great accomplishment is in the last six years. So prior to 2008, city council was only putting less than a million dollars into street maintenance budget. In the last five years, we've put over $40 million, and this year is a record $12.3 million in street maintenance. So we have said that the city council has really said that roads are a priority as well, and we've made it a priority. And then I think proper planning. The Tall City Tomorrow was a comprehensive plan that we did not have. And when I got elected in 2014, I told the council, we can't operate, we can't build our city in any direction unless we are all on the same page. So a true comp plan allows city staff, city council, and anybody who wants to do business in the city of Midland have a a comprehensive plan to where to grow, where's the infrastructure, what are we looking for as a community. And I think that's probably been the biggest proper planning accomplishment that we've seen in the five years. And that comp plan now needs to be updated because we've grown so fast. Yeah, we have grown fast. Uh, but strategic planning is is super important. And that dovetails onto housing mm-hmm. and infrastructure. So we've been talking to a lot of city council candidates and there's some interesting ideas mm-hmm. about housing. Yep. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot <laughs> of different ideas. Yeah. What do you think will work for us? Yeah, so I already want to say that we succeed. And what I'm saying today as a mayor and running for re-election is, you know, I stand here tall with my chest out and my head high because I'm very proud of the accomplishment and my leadership and through the city council addressing what we've been talking about, housing, roads, water, infrastructure, and quality of place. So when it comes to housing, and as I just mentioned, I've been on affordable housing strategy since for, for easily 20 years and understand the needs. But today, more than anything, because I'm in the restaurant, I understand that we need workforce for retail. I mean, we don't have housing for cooks and cashiers and bank tellers and those who are on hourly wage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there are solutions for that. And one is the supply and demand model. Uh, One was we've worked very aggressively to get a lot of apartments constructed and built and not just any apartment. We've we've uh, approved senior housing. We've approved housing for based on your wages, on your income. We've addressed very AAA, high-class apartments. And so we want to say that we've brought in housing when it comes to apartment or transitional housing for every pay grade. When it comes to single and uh, multi-level housing, uh, you've seen housing being built in all areas of Midland. There's not an area that we have not approved because housing has been such an item. One of the areas that we had to lessen up on is density. We were totally against density. We didn't want Millen to be congested with housing, but because we needed it so bad, we allowed developers on large tracts of land to go ahead and get a little closer, smaller setbacks, mm-hmm. no alleys. No alleys means you can put more housing in. The offset and, and the trade-off was is you're going to put a park in there, you're going to put a pool in there, you're going to put pi- uh, sidewalks, you're going to put something that makes it more livable in that par- in that living area. 
for not only today, but for 30 and 40 years down the road. So, you know, this, it takes a lot of strategy and it takes a lot of vision and thinking outside the box to work with developers. Now, developers, when they come in here and they won't tell you this, but they want density and they want to put up homes as fast as they can. And we're, we were not allowing that. We were, we were like, there's zones, there's codes, there's enforcement, and we want to make sure that everything is built to spec mm-hmm. or above spec so that it can last for a long time. Yeah. So there's a lot of that discussion behind the scenes that you never hear. Yeah, I can think of most recently Houston. Mm-hmm. I used to live in Houston that they kind of allowed developers to just because they needed the housing. But then, you know, we had a hurricane and it took out how much property damage did that yep. cause. And yep. that was just some poor planning on their part. And their their city fathers are are paying the price now. So, like, when you hear uh, your uh, opponents in mm-hmm. the race say yeah. things like the the pro- the permitting process, mm-hmm. and we've heard that from that it all needs to be speeded up. Where do you come on come down on that? So, issue? so my first question is: is both my uh, opponents prior to this mayor candidacy, I never saw him in city hall. Sure. So I don't know how. I always respond like, well, how did you all of a sudden come up with these ideas when I never saw you at a city council meeting, never saw you at a budget meeting? Every Wednesday we have planning meetings and Mm -hmm. I've never seen them there. So that was my first response. The second one is, okay, well, you had a meeting with some contractors. Well, I bet some builders would contact you that were upset because we wouldn't maybe allow you to have this, this, and this, or you were trying to get away with this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And now they're trying to see if they can go through a mayoral candidate to get that. So my response is, and it's on record in this public record is, for example, to speed up the process, we have outsourced our engineering uh, division. So in, if we normally have two or three uh, engineers or planners, we now in the last five years have outsourced so that we have five to eight additional planners and engineers on staff so that we can push that out. If you were to compare um, response times, you would see that, if you, especially with Austin, I'll give you an example. To get a permit application started and finished, probably a year, and in Midland, 45 days. Mm-hmm. By law, we have 60 to 90 days, but we're very quick on responding. The other story behind that story is if you were to submit your application, let's say you're building apartments or a, a, a McDonald's, if you can submit your application and all of your engineering work and planning with the least amount of mistakes, and we can respond with all, this is why our goal was to be business-friendly, we will respond back with all of our answers instead of one at a time mm-hmm. so that we're not going back and forth because that's where you lose money and time. So we had a very big discussion in City Hall about City Hall, you answer everything in one question and you respond back and we will, in fact, we will rebate you if we can to save you time. Cool. Okay. So we're going to head a different direction for just sure. a second. Okay. What are your thoughts about sanitation and recycling in the city? Sure. So I, I'm actually, uh, when I first got elected on 2014, I started not in my town and not in my town was uh, teaming up with the Keep Millen Beautiful group. And what happened is I had formed a committee and during my election, uh, we talked about how do we can, how we can clean this up. When I became mayor, I made this a commission. And so what we did is we started the inmate program. We first got the jailer certified. And then we began to recruit uh, inmates who didn't want to be locked up and wanted to have pizza instead of bologna sandwich. And we would take two groups out to the streets and we started cleaning up trash everywhere. That same group would then also pick up large debris. So not in my town. That was the first project to get the city cleaned up. 
Then we started kind of doing, you know, collecting cans and we would give you a fee for so much weight. Then the other discussion was education. We we brought in the municipal courthouse. We brought in city hall. And then we team, teamed up with MISD and said, for example, all high schools put out more trash cans so that the high schoolers can dump instead of on the parking lot. We began to put promotional material in all the schools, especially the younger kids, talking about what it means to litter and to educate your parents about not throwing cigarette butts out the window, not to throw anything out the window. So we did this big promotional educational program, which it continues today. And then we started to go to the citizens and saying, in your area, your lots, please take care of those areas. Of course, we would get a lot of flack and say, city, you're not doing your part. And so we would you know, have to step up our game a little bit. And then when it came to recycling, we were we were cruising right along on recycling. You know, we had butts recycling. Everything was going great. And then China said, no more. We're not taking your recycles anymore, America, USA, every state, every city, because they're so it's so contaminated and wages are getting expensive over there in China that we can't afford it. And we're not going to clean up your mess. So we finally hit home. Butts recycling said, we're not making any money because they're not taking our recyclables. We're done. We want out. We sat him down and said, what can we do to keep you? How can we keep our program alive? So Councilwoman Hoshkis and I negotiated for the city. And instead of butts paying us every month or quarter, we were now paying them 40000 a year to take cardboard, plastics, and paper. Because those are the only products that China will take and, and if they're clean. So my answer is I wish we had a strong recycling program. I wish we had the opportunity to be able to do more with butts, but they, you know what? They actually have a shredding business and they make more money at that and they would like to do that 100%, but we're able to kind of communicate and they're willing to help our city out. So I don't know what's going to happen. We're waiting for China to hopefully respond back with some good answers on that we're doing a better job in America so they will take our recyclables. I think Canada is now coming around, but otherwise, I don't know what we're going to do with it, where it's going. Yeah, yeah. We know that there are some vacancies in the police department mm -hmm. and the fire department, not so much since they've sort of adjusted their schedules to bring in firefighters from other areas. So the how many police officer openings do we have right now? So we have in the police, we have uh, about 29 and in the fire, I think it was 24 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I have 30 applicants right now. And in in the police department, I have 19 exiting coming oh. out academy. And then we already have another academy ready to go. Wow. But that doesn't mean anything. You know right. why? Because they'll take them. It doesn't um. mean anything at all. And so this is this is a cycle that goes on every year for the last 50 years. I mean, it's nothing new. But it's even more serious today because we're losing it to the oil and gas industry when they're thriving. And we've lost – we had a lot of retirements in the last two years, a lot of retirements. Those baby boomers are ready to go hang out on the front porch. Yeah. Why Why is this the cycle? Like, why has it been the cycle for the last 50 years? Is um, this normal for every city? So one is like the city of Midland, the, from 2008 to 2013, we couldn't afford to pay anymore. We didn't have the revenue coming in as property taxes and sales tax. So property tax, sales tax, and fees is what how we pay uh, employees and do business. And 60% of what we pay, the, just the police and fire, come out of our budget. So back in those days, we just didn't have enough to keep going. We just had to sustain. Thank goodness that the revenue picked up. But at the same time, while that was pick, revenue picking up, we're also becoming the fastest growing city. 33,000 more cars on our roads, more potholes, 
more infrastructure challenges, more wear and tear on the infrastructure. So we have a balanced budget. And I'm very happy to say in the last six years, our tax rate has dropped. 2006, our tax rate easily 60 cents. Today, it's 36 cents. So we are doing way triple more than what we uh, had back then with a lot less. But to your police and fire question. So when the oil and gas, we lost a lot of transfers. The spouses were transferring, so they would move. Cost of living here was too high. So we did a wage study two years ago, and then we did another wage study to see where we fit in to other communities our size just to make sure that we were comparable. We were number ranked number 20 for mid-sized cities to metros in the state of Texas. So I'm very happy to say after the wage study, the city council on this budget took us to number seven. So we gave the largest pay increase year over year to our first responders and to our city staff because they deserve it. We need... We need, if your water line breaks, yeah. you want to be able to take a shower and use the restroom. And we got to have those people. <laughs> yeah, that, definitely. All the city staff is important. Um, so let me just finish on that real quick. First sure. responders. And the last thing we did, because we gave them pay, we gave them bonus increases, we gave bonus retentions. And then we also took out two or three levels, what they call step pay. That's where that entry level is so that it's much more attractive. And then the last thing we did, we said, you know what? We'll give you living quarters. We have 18 beds that are in modular housing at the training. So while you're going through training, you only pay four or $500 a month. And if you need two or three more months to get on your feet, save up some money, get an apartment, then we have that in place. So we have just turned that whole program around. Okay, we're moving on with public safety then. Yes, yes. I heard you on, I believe it was NPR, Texas Standard Hour or something, mm-hmm. um, after the mass shooting in Odessa. Yes. You know, I know it's a hard question um, because we are in West Texas, but how do you feel about background checks and illegal purchases of guns that led to that kind of situation in Odessa? Sure. So, yeah, very tragic situation. And it was very hard on the Permian Basin to your question. So the only the only problem I have right now is I would like to see better and better uh, policies on those who sell guns out of their homes and are not possibly registered that we can figure out there's not a strong policy there. Mm-hmm. That's really the only area that I see that's wrong. Mm-hmm. To m- my whole conversation with the senators and, and uh, or state legislators and federal legislators is mental health and fun, fun, fun. Don't stop funding mental health. In Midland, we need more mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, professionals. And then my next one is young, uh, the young generation. We really need to engage and get involved with the younger generation to identify it at that level. Cool. So there was, have, have you ever been asked to be a part of, I know there was a mayor's, it was a mayor's group, I mm-hmm. believe, that Washington, D.C., that went to talk to lawmakers about gun issues in their cities, you know, have you, I know, I think there's only one mayor in Texas, Mayor Fort Worth, who joined that group, but I was wondering if you've ever been approached or if you would ever consider something like that. No, I, um, I don't think so. I think that I I, I don't see issues with that. I think there's, let's just kind of like oil drilling in the city limits. Okay. City limits and maybe, um, I, well, yeah, it's just kind of the same because you <laughs> contaminate the ground and water. Something's dangerous. Yeah. Yes. The city ordinances and the state ordinance have been working and protecting the citizens. And again, I think the laws that are in place are protecting the citizens. It's the individuals who get behind the gun that bother me. Okay. 
So some <laughs> of our, a lot of our listeners um, mm-hmm. are visually impaired, um, have some type of physical disability, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them actually rely on public transportation. So they take things like the Easy Rider and tracks, and they rely on those to get to and from work. They, mm-hmm. We have heard a lot of... Not complaints. No, you can say complaints. Complaints. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. So we've heard some complaints yeah. um, from them about that. Um, yes. Do you have any thoughts about Easy Rider or improving public transportation? Most definitely. So I'm glad that, that I was on city council that approved the Easy Rider because there was a lot of flack of not supporting <laughs> it. And it was a hard battle to fight. And I knew at the end of the day that there's I mean, I'm in the restaurant business and my workers needed rides to work. And then you also hear them complaining about I need to get my children to the doctor. And it just goes on and on. So I, we knew it was going to be a hard sell. And one that, you know, I could see my funding going somewhere else. And I will never forget what they said. Just buy taxi cab tickets and let them get taxi cabs. Yeah, the police the police department used to give disabled yeah. people vouchers. Mm-hmm. That's like right. if they needed to go to the doctor or something. And that went away when Easy Rider came in. And then so my head was on the chalking block for six years when we would fund Easy Rider. But again, my heart just told me that's what we needed to do in this community nitty. And I'm glad we held on to it because look at how we're growing and it eliminates a lot of vehicles off the road. We already have enough accidents. And of course, this area is already known for the record amount of fatalities. So we are saving lives on top of that. So the other question to that is funding. They need more funding. And I wish, again, this is where the feds could step in and help us more on this kind of funding without any red tape, any requirements, just give us the funding so that we can expand our bus system, put shelters, put benches, mm-hmm. all of that just bothers me. And 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 you you can call the director and I'll ask her, do we have the funds to buy more? What can we do to get more benches and more shelters? Because mm-hmm. when it's 105 degrees outside, oh, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't put Miserable. my kids in, but sometimes we don't have a choice and same vice versa with the winter. It's a great discussion when council right now is doing half a million and we could, we probably could look at that more. Yeah. So we heard from one of the candidates running. He's on the board. I can't remember what the name of the board is. It's the Midland Odessa Transportation. That's right. Which Charlotte's on it too. Yes. That there is funding to do a federal study to improve efficiencies with the routes. Mm-hmm. But one thing we talked about with him that I see and might have one kid that lives in Chicago and another one that lives in LA is they use the buses to advertise yes. and the bus stops, uh, you know, have advertisements too. Have y'all thought about, do, is it ever come across your desk to do a private public partnership for, you know, like the sh- bus shelters with advertising? Yes. So we do it with the buses mm-hmm. and the problem with the buses get dirty so you don't see it. So I don't <laughs> think anybody, but um, I think that's going to probably have to be the next step for sure to get those shelters out there is have these companies step up to assist us because they, they just need to be out there. Mm-hmm. I was going to say also though, just like every other industry, we can't get the the bus drivers. Oh. And so that's the other challenge where you see routes getting uh, shorter, reduced. And uh, not as many routes are expanding because, you know, we wanted to have a turnkey between Mill and Odessa. And I think we had one route that was coming back and forth. But it's just a matter of do we have the drivers this week today? Wow. Yeah. Another thing that we wanted to ask sure. you about was the Senior Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've heard you mention before on other platforms that yep. you are wanting to redo the Senior Center. Can you talk about that a little bit? Most definitely. So we have two Senior Centers. 
the Southeast Senior Center and, of course, the one at the Old Delwood Mall where the uh, Millen Health Department is located. So both of them are, are utilized quite a bit. And the Midland, the main center, uh, senior center, is is outdated and worn out. And we have had discussion for the last three years about how do we fund a new one and build a, or build a new one. And finally, at city council retreat, we brought it up again and said, we really need to get this done because uh, more seniors are using it. And it's just from a health standpoint, it's not good. So it was unanimous. City council said, let's move forward. Let's do something. So we are very glad that in the last council meeting, we moved forward with the bidding process. So there are, the, the bidding is going out to design a, a new senior center in addition to rehabbing the Southeast Center. Mm-hmm. So both senior centers will be updated. This new one that we're considering, I wish we could do more of a um, recreational slash senior center so that because we need another rec center. We only have the Martin Luther King Center and we're wearing that one out. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice, in, and it, maybe it's possible that we could do something that's combined, because I've seen them in other cities. I went touring other rec centers and senior centers two years ago, and uh, those were very popular in cities. Yeah, seems like a good fit. It is. Mm-hmm. So we'll find one with better parking, all of the needs, technology-wise and efficiencies. And uh, so I'm excited we're moving forward. I'm excited about it too. Where do you see it being? Like, what are the possibilities? Great question. So that's what we're doing right now is trying to identify okay. land. Land is very hard. And sure. uh, city, you would think the city would have a lot of uh, land in its inventory, but we don't. <laughs> so we are going to have to, uh, as you just mentioned, do maybe a public-private partnership, uh, something along that line. Another quality of life issue is parks. Well, the last thing that I read that that was an issue put before the council and y'all approved mm-hmm. was Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us anything about that? Sure. So parks, I've been on the park commission since 2008. So when I first got elected, I'll never forget the first story. When I went to my first meeting was, how many parks do we have with new update equipment? And they told me 18. And they said, we have six more sets of equipment that are ready to go out. And I said, how long have they been in storage? Six months. And right then and there, that I knew that was going to be one of my passions. That that's crazy. That we have brand new equipment that's just sitting in storage. That we're why aren't we getting out? Because we don't have enough staff. We'll outsource it. Mm-hmm. So from then, it's been uh, one of my goals to get every one of our 52 parks with new equipment, new trails, new soft pads where you land, and irrigation so they have proper drainage. Get rid of the stickers. And we have worked very hard. So I think we're about 70, 80 percent complete on that. Mm-hmm. Very good. So to your question, remember two years ago, I tried to go after the 4B sales tax, the quarter cent sales tax. That money, which is about $12 million, would have improved three parks, Hogan, Bill Park, and Reyes and Mashburn Nelm. And what I wanted to do was, because I had an overwhelming response from the sports teams, is that we don't have tournament parks. Why do we have to go every Hobbs, Abilene, and Angel Lubbock to play? Why can't we stay here? That tax failed. So I lost another source of revenue to improve the parks, which kind of answer yours. Sure. So fast forward, we start drilling at Hogan Park. Mm -hmm. And at Hogan Park, we now are receiving our first monies from that drilling after a couple of years. And with that, the law says you can only use those royalty monies from oil and gas back in the parks. You cannot use them anywhere else. So, okay. So now we're going back to the drawing board with the Reyes, Mashburn, Nelms, Hogan Park, and Bill Park, and build soccer fields, football fields, baseball, walking tracks, uh, BMX tracks, band activities, and uh, we'll use those royalty monies. What we also said is on those three parks, let's experiment putting Wi-Fi because it's not taxpayer money. It's money that came from royalties. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So we are going to experiment putting Wi-Fi in those parks. Okay. So that that clears up that question because we've had other people like that's parks aren't a priority. But if that money can only be used right. on a park. That's right. So. That's right. And that's the reason we made that decision. So everything that we could do to make that park up to date, efficient, a smart park, we did it. Great. Is there any uh, anything else about parks that you'd like to talk about? So Den- Dennis the Menace is awesome. Yeah. So let me tell you. So <laughs> over the years, the other goal was both municipal pools were a disaster. Now they have both each got $4 million. And now they have activities for teenagers all the way down to the uh, tiny little kiddos. The bathrooms or restrooms were up to date. Uh, lockers, the showers, the system that takes in the water. Oh, everything was updated. And so now kids don't, families don't have to leave Midland. They can stay here in the summer and pay $2 or $3 and go swimming. We also allow them to take their picnics in. So it saves in that area. All of the parks that I just mentioned are updated and getting improved. We added another dog park at Bill Park. And Hogan Park is getting a new driving range. And then we just approved all of the uh, cart paths to be improved. They were all worn out. So we're now thinking of everybody who likes the golf. On It's a large municipal golf. And then all of the new areas that we are building in are getting new parks, uh, which is nice. Our big goal on hike and bike trails is to have l- continuous loops so that people don't have to stop, cross Big Trap, but have a big continuous loop. And so that big continuous one will be around Hogan Park, going around Air Park, down Fairgrounds Road. It's about four miles. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, that I always worry about the people who are biking. Yes. With all of our traffic problems. So quality of place is because we talked about that younger generation, we've really needed to bring those amenities. And I'm just a believer of getting these kids out of the TV and outside and enjoy some fun. Oh, so you don't want to install like iPads at each uh, park negative. by the benches? I'm, no, man. In fact, Free I, have Wi-Fi, never, I, I don't even want to hear it. Okay. All right. Just an idea. Well, um, the Wi-Fi in the parks is an interesting idea because and, and people say, you know, you don't want to go in the park, use the park. Yeah. But we know that there's people, uh, kids, students trying mm-hmm. to complete school projects. They yep. don't have Wi-Fi in their home if they can walk up to the park. So is that sort of the plan to like see how it goes at these three Test parks? Most definitely. is Because these are tournament parks, and they'll have the technology to talk to teams out that are traveling, coming Mm -hmm. in. And then those teams can go back home, send pictures, videos, just as you alluded to, education. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a test pilot. And if it works, great, without using taxpayer money. Yeah. It makes sense if people are coming in from out of town, that Mm -hmm. that would be an amenity (laughs) that we could offer them. Yeah. In addition to the safe field. And then, of course, everybody knows about the new public-private park downtown, $15 million. No, next to the Bush Center. Oh, great. Let's talk about downtown for Yay, a second. Yeah, let's talk about downtown. So uh, <laughs> about three weeks ago, we opened the new Barbara George H.W. Convention Center. Center yep. yes. And that was going to be paid. That's being paid for by the hotel motel tax, which means that unless you're staying in a hotel, you're not paying for it. So all outside visitors paying for that new convention center, $43 million. It has 20,000 square feet of usable space, multiple caterers, multiple meetings at one time. Of course, technology, as we're just talking about, is up to date in there. And then all of the infrastructure and utilities within about eight blocks has been updated. (laughs) So brand new water, brand new sewer, all of your Wi-Fi, all of your blue line, everything is updated. So anybody that builds downtown now can tie into some brand new stuff. Next door in the where the old courthouse used to be, three and a half acres. We were going to build a park through the city, 
But then Concho, Tim Leach mm-hmm. stepped up and other private groups and said, let us help and build this to be a true quality park. So they raised $14 million. The city put in half a million a year for maintenance and the county downtown Midland, Man- Midland Management District also put in like $2 million. So now you're going to have a splash pad, a children's cavernous park down there, a tent park, meaning like you can bring 20 tents, pop them in. There's plugs and utilities. You can have movies in the park. There'll be a hundred trees planted. Wow. So it's going to be amazing. Yeah, Just amazing. It, is. it sounds like my daughter lived in Oklahoma City for a while mm-hmm. and they have a great downtown park. It sounds a lot like that because they have an arboretum and all kinds of cool stuff. And then we also invested into the old Ritz Theater. So now the Basin PBS mm-hmm. uh, did a major renovation where you saw two mayoral live uh, debates. So the city was able to bring that back to life with Basin PBS. Across the street, the county put in the new uh, museum. Mm-hmm. Very nice. As mentioned, the lofts, now there's a hair salon, there's like three or four new restaurants, got a pizza one opening up here very soon, and then there's a hotel in discussion, and so there's just a lot of a lot of good things happening. There is a lot going on downtown. Exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> it is. I wish that park had been there when my kids were little. Yeah. <laughs> so changing gears, switching mm-hmm. gears a little bit, let's talk about education. Yes. I know it's not underneath That's the right. city, yeah. but... Could you, would you mind clarifying how you feel about the Mm -hmm. school bond? Yeah. So I support the school bond and I will tell you that being the leader for the last six years and being on city council 12 years, you know, you really understand where your education is for your city. And it's been amazing to see our education system in the last five years, not going the right direction. And we saw the lack of teachers. We saw our test scores dropping, saw our facilities aging. We saw our classrooms really as you heard me mention, are filling up, you know, 40, 45 kids in a class and the challenges are getting bad and it's only going to get worse because um, our population is not going to decrease. And if the oil and gas next summer, if they put in the new pipeline and we are able to transport another million barrels a day, our economy could be on fire again. If it hits $70 barrel oil, we're in trouble. It's going to be busy. So, you know, is the school bond the, the complete answer? Uh, I don't know that answer because I, I did, I mean, I did look into it and I asked a lot of questions like the teacher shortage and the safety issues and the redistricting and, you know, land purchases. And, and so there's still a lot of questions, but if we don't get on it, we're going to get further behind. And I only know that from a city standpoint, you know, that our streets were behind because we didn't do anything prior to 2008. We never invested enough money and now we're playing catch up and I'm hustling out all get out to get caught up. So my daughter, as I mentioned, senior, I tried to put her in extracurricular activities. There was no teachers for it. And so it just saddens me that the education that I got when I was here is not the same. And I know we can do better. So we have to get this program started. With that also being said, I started Priority Midland. I was the founder of Priority Midland. And through Priority Midland, what it was, was we had identified that we were having challenges, education, healthcare, infrastructure, quality of place. And we were sitting at the round table as tax entities, which we do on a regular basis and have discussions. And we kept bringing up the same old, we don't have enough housing for our workers. We don't have enough money to address this area, hospital. The emergency room is always packed and there's not enough physicians. And we're trying to address them as much as we can in silos. And finally, I just said, man, we got to figure this out. There's got to be a better solution. And so we brought in prior, I brought in prior to Millen, consultants, and I'm telling you today, regardless of anything, from the first 11 months, you're seeing these tax entities working together. We are communicating. We're sharing ideas. 
We are prioritizing needs. Today, we would be voting, if we're not for priority mail, we could be voting on a school bond, a hospital bond, and two quarter cent maintenance tax, uh, sales tax. And that's a lot for this city to absorb. It's a lot for me as a taxpayer to absorb. So we all, as tax entities, said, we're going to put education first, put everything behind. We'll address those next year. And let's see how education, because education, our kids, this community deserves it. That's what Priority Mill is about. Definitely. Do you want to talk any more about Priority Mill? Sure. And going forward, we will now begin to see if we how we begin to formalize into a 501c3, hire a true executive director. The leadership still needs to be in place. As you know, we have about 300 citizens volunteering, working on those areas that I mentioned, health, education, quality of place, infrastructure, housing. And they're looking for solutions because one thing I don't, I didn't want from Priority Midland is to bring people together and just talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're going to do this and we're going to do this, we're going to talk about the issues, the challenges, the vision, and then what are the solutions that we can put in place today? Otherwise, let's just not do it. And let's just, yeah, otherwise it's just therapy. Yeah. Just keep talking. It's just a venting session. (laughs) So I don't want to say that we've gotten there, but. Hillcrest Village is a good example that we're trying to address. Yeah, let's talk about Hillcrest. Can you explain it? Because, I I mean, I've heard Hillcrest Village, and I know that it's apartments. Yep. So the Midland Community Development Corporation is the affordable housing. They own that 20 acres. Mm -hmm. And And where is it? It's between? It's on Midland Drive and Cuthbert in St. Clair. And um, It's like on the far west side of Midland. So it's across the street from Alamo. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Behind those church and that daycare back in there. So the Midland Community Development Corporation owns, owns those 20 acres, and they came up with a plan to build what they call big homes, big homes, because they look like big houses. And inside the house is the eight apartment unit, eight or 10 apartment units. Oh, and interesting. So, yeah. So what the reasoning was that because we knew the neighborhood likes, they have big lots and they like their homes and they like their privacy. And they were trying to fit a model in there that didn't, didn't look like apartments. The other pro- vision was in goal was to only serve healthcare nurses and those that we need in the emergency room, for example, teachers and first responders. So those 200 units are only serving those needs so that we have a true affordable housing for them. So let's just say an apartment goes for 212 a square foot. These would go for something like $1.78 or 79 a square foot, much less. It's, it's a It's a gated area. It'll be very well, very nicely built, have amenities. And of course, there's the discussion about ingress and egress into the city streets, into the community, in the neighborhood. I'm sorry. So that was the other, I can understand that being there, but sure. it's land, it's available, has infrastructure, which I didn't understand the opposition saying that there's no infrastructure, it's there. Mm-hmm. But so it, that's a project that kind of came out of Priority Midland because the MCDC group approached Priority Midland approach foundations, and that's how it's coming to fruition. Funding from all of those sources, and then the city was willing to put in $2 million for the water and sewer infrastructure. So if it comes to fruition, that's what that will be serving. What's sort of the timeline? Because it like, seems like that would be now. It's yeah, happening today. now. Today. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. are building ASAP. Okay. And so it'll come before city council very soon. Mm-hmm. So, And then going back to Priority Midland, our goal, again, going forward then, is to begin to, how do we help education? How do we help healthcare and prioritize those needs and what, so for healthcare, Rosin Grover's been lobbying very hard the community about $30 million for these services, not only that serves our city of Midland, but indigent care in all of the surrounding counties. She says, if we don't have that 30 million, then we lose it. 
that's comes from that source of funding could come from the quarter cent sales tax that I've been talking about. And so we need to understand, is that the only opportunity? Is that the only way we can come up with that 30 million? And it has to be 30 million for every year mm-hmm. going forward because they don't get enough funding. And as you probably know, a lot of people don't pay their hospital bills. Sure. So it gets, they get very far in debt or further behind. I'm sorry. So, so um, is that like, how does, what does that look like? Is it like satellite centers that, uh, or is it just what, what I'm trying to say? Like, like clinics? Yeah. Like, no, um, no. <laughs> but there could be under the oil and gas companies setting up their own healthcare needs. Oh. So, so oil companies are now bringing in registered nurses, setting up kind of oh, a yeah, clinic. Oh, yeah, I think there's a like Dr. Concho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So, you know, it's thinking outside the box like that. Mm-hmm. And if 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 we can work together with Permanent Strategic Partnership, PSP, which is the more area area. So that one is everything from the governor's office of Texas to the governor's office in New Mexico. Mm. And what they're working on is helping every community along that path in all the areas that I just mentioned. So you have PSP, which is the oil companies, and then you have Priority Millen, which is City of Millen, focused on City of Millen. I will tell you that our template and the one that we've created, we've already had several cities come look at it and borrow mm-hmm. it because they want to, they see their community growing and expanding and they want to be ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. So do we have the perfect one? No. Are we learning as we go? Yes. Are we, my whole purpose is we got to be transparent. We got to communicate. We got to work in unity and we are doing a much better job of that today. I think the citizens deserve that. Yeah. So Priority Midland's been around for almost a year now. Is yes, that correct? That's right. Do you see it continuing? It, it's all about funding, just like anything. Mm-hmm. And so we had hoped by now that we would have more from the tax entities, the private industry and foundations. And so if, if we were, the county's willing to put some money in, the city's still willing to put some money in. And if they do that, I think we'll get some matching grants from from foundations. Yeah, I think the foundations yes. are are key. So it's again, it's prayers and you know just uh, being smart, strategizing, and communicating the whole path, the whole system along the pathway. Hmm. Interesting. So that kind of did our questions. Yes. So yeah. if you have anything that you, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, just in closing, I think we covered a lot of the, you know where we've been and what we're doing today, and I just will tell you that going forward as a candidate and uh, as an incumbent that I will secure long-term water. That's my goal is to be able to go after some sources that will give Midland uh, a ranch that they could tap into maybe 50 years from now, just like Mayor Magruder did for Midland when we needed it. So that's one of my goals. And that's one of my plans is to secure a long-term water source. The other one is roads. We cannot stop building roads and we are lobbying harder for state. And if we can get federal dollars, we'll do it because we need it. But our highway infrastructure and our local infrastructure needs to keep being expanded. And so we have a plan and we know what the plan is going forward. Housing, we talked a lot about housing. We'll finish up with the housing that we're building. But city council approved the new water tower, the $50 million water tower. It's on the northeast part of town. That's where Millen is growing right now. And it's going to grow all the way towards the east. You'll see the possibility or opportunity of eight to 10,000 more new residential and commercial connections. There needs to be an outer loop created now with a Craddock Highway loop, which will tie into the interstates, which we have a plan for. And then the street maintenance tax, which you saw my, my article in the paper Sunday that talks about a quarter cent sales tax. And if you did, I encourage you to read it. And it tells you what that quarter cent will pay for and what it gets us for the next six years. And then quality of life. I mean, I'm just a big believer that we live in a very blessed community and we all deserve to enjoy our city. So 
I'm a, I'm going to continue like Wagner Noel is a big backer of that and help fund it. And I think arts is missing, culture is missing, and we need to continue putting that into our community. So as we're building these roundabouts, I want to see sculptures on those intersections, things like that. I think it beautifies. I have a roundabout question. Yeah. People can't figure those out in Scotland <laughs> or tell you where was I? Oh, Aspen. There's roundabouts in yep, Aspen. They are. There's going the the only one that I know of is at Cuthbert and Garfield. That's right. Is that right? That's right. That'd be awesome if there was a sculpture there. I hope it doesn't get hit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't hurt the art. Where are others? Are there other roundabouts planned? And what's the what's the impetus to do that? Sure. Why are we having roundabouts in West Texas? There's two roundabouts. The one you mentioned right in. Front of the hospital and then the other roundabout is a new road that's going to be built trade winds boulevard mm-hmm. over at the sports complex so if you're coming uh north out of synergy theater you'll run into trade winds and that trade winds is going to take you up to the uh, sports Scar- uh, scarver's complex so the reason you have roundabouts especially like on garfield is it keeps the traffic moving it never stops and as you're approaching those intersections you you have to slow down and you then are able to kind of moderate the traffic from there and it spins off, but nobody's speeding because you've got to come to a halt. Pay attention. And move around. Yeah. yeah. So my concern as a city council member is that's in front of the emergency room. What about the ambulances and what about fire trucks? Can they get around that? Mm-hmm. So they showed us models, 3D models of how that works. And of course, the citizens move to the side. And they do a good job of that. Yeah. So then it opens it up for the ambulance and the fire to get through and where they need to go. But that whole road will be expanded, new curvy, new sidewalk. It's much smoother, brand new infrastructure, and the traffic will never stop. Hmm. Same with Tradewinds Boulevard. Tradewinds, when that goes in, you're going to see retail, residential, commercial. It's going to be an explosion of growth out there. And it's a, it's going to be a through street, right? All the way from 191 all the way over to Business 80? It, it'll, it'll catch Business 80 through 191. That's okay. correct. So, yeah, just wrapping up, I'm running on experience, leadership, and passion. And I believe that today is not the day to change. I think that we need three more years of solid leadership and foundation. You put in four new council members today, and it's going to be a struggle to get everybody up to date. And we don't need time to stagnate to catch up. We need to keep moving. So I'm campaigning for re-election, and I'd love to have your vote. Awesome. Thank you so much. And would you give your contact information, sure. please? So mine is, of course, www.moralesformayor.com. Morales for Mayor Facebook and Morales for Mayor on Instagram. So please check out my website as you'll see my resume, all the nonprofits, my work. And then you'll see my vision of where I've been and where I'm going. So thank you for your time. Yeah, and Thank you for coming in. And again, I just can't thank everybody enough for allowing me to be the mayor. That's been the biggest. Well, you know, of, you still seem kind of excited about being oh, the mayor. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank awesome. you so Thanks. much. Thank y'all. Thank you for joining us for Tall City Elections, a presentation of the League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas.